what happened was was that this healer, this wonderful therapist healer that I met, saw me at the soul level in a way that no one had ever done. Everybody, I always have felt like everybody looked at me for what I did rather than who I was. And for just that moment, I realized that what I was on the inside was worth seeing again, worth bringing out. Welcome to the Drew Perlman Show. Think of this podcast as the antidote to the fear, the noise, and the talking heads in the news. The show features an entertaining blend of ancient wisdom, empowering ideas, and cutting-edge, healthy living science to optimize your health and your life. Today's guest on the show is Reese Thomas. Reese is a visionary author, speaker, trainer, and coach in the personal growth and energy mastery field. He is the founder of the Reese Thomas Institute and the creator of the Reese Method, a powerful system of self-discovery, transformation, and healing. He is also the author of the international best-selling book, Discover Your Purpose, How to Use the Five Life Purpose Profiles to Unlock Your Hidden Potential and Live the Life You Were Meant to Live. Welcome to the show, Reese. Thanks, Drew. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you here, Reese. Um, I'd love for you to just start by talking a little bit about your journey from you know being an athlete and a coach to starting your own energy medicine school. Well, uh, I totally uh, I, it was the the athlete and the coach thing uh, came from uh, kind of growing up, uh, you know, the typical kid in in America, and Bo- I grew up in Boston. And, and I was dyslexic. I was a dyslexic kid and I, and so school wasn't that great for me. I kind of, you know, didn't get the reading thing and the spelling thing and all that stuff. Uh, but luckily I had two, um, English teacher parents, so I could speak it well and I could get by, uh, on what I knew that way. But I kind of, sports was really kind of the place that I found a home and I love to play and I love to, you know, uh, I love to play tennis. My dad was a tennis pro part-time and then he was full-time. And, um, and I grew up um, kind of, you know, doing what most children do is they, they say, well, I got to find something that I'm good at that, that, that people approve of. <laughs> and so I started to, you know, play competitive tennis when I was really young kind of gave up on my, uh, I was a bit of a dreamer as a child, which is ultimately what has led to the spiritual work. Um, but in the world, you have to kind of, you know, get along and you have to get by in school and get grade, get some kind of grades. And, and so I found that, uh, that sports uh, was something that, um, that I love to do. I excelled at. And I really had this real sort of playful kind of soul. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to make life fun. And, um, and so I played as much as I could and then just survived school and played with my friends. And, uh, I didn't really, uh, because I was dyslexic, I didn't really understand why people were learning the way they learned, which I guess is also a, a great gift now as I'm trying to teach people to unlearn all the things they've learned, uh, about what, what it's like to be who they are. And, and, one of the things that I teach, which I really noticed in myself as I as I grew up, was at some point children have to choose between being sort of who they are and who they're supposed to be. 
And growing up, I um, and that's really the that's really the core wound energetically. When we don't really know who we are, we kind of well we know who we are, but it doesn't really fit into society. Just going and playing and dreaming wasn't going to fit in, and so being an athlete did. You know, all of a sudden I'm an athlete and I'm, I'm doing well in in sports and. Uh, and that's like, okay, well that's, now you've got a job. Now it's at least it's a job for a kid. And then later I started working and teaching tennis, which I found I was, I had a real knack for seeing things in people that, um, you know, that, that helped them sort of remember who they were at a deeper level. And so at teenage years, I started teaching, um, uh, you know, teaching lots, teaching tennis and, and playing competitively. And I played professional tennis. Uh, and, and all the way along, I'm sort of trying to figure out who I am. You know, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, my, my 18 year old decided that I was going to be a, uh, you know, professional tennis player, a, uh, black belt in the martial arts, a successful businessman, all the things that society told me that I should be. And, and, you know, by the time I was, uh, I made it through my twenties and thirties doing all of those things. I became a second degree black belt. I, um, uh, you know, I played professional tennis. I became a top level, uh, performance coach and, and tennis coach and, uh, and then worked with people, you know, on their mental game and their emotional game and their, and their, and their nutrition and their, so I, I sort of learned all the tools that, that society says, this is what you want to have you. This is what you, what you want to be. You want to be, uh, you know, the best that you can possibly be. And I was like, all right, I'm not only going to be the best, but I'm going to teach people to be their best. And when I got into my, um, uh, into my mid thirties, I started realizing that I was pushing this rock up the hill. There's a story of the myth of Sisyphus where the, where King Sisyphus was, uh, sort of uh, cursed by the gods that he had to always push this rock all the way up this hill. And it will always, for, for all of eternity, King Sisyphus had figured out how to, how to, how to cheat death. And, uh, and so he was going to live forever, but forever he was pushing this rock up the hill and it will forever roll back down on top of him. And, uh, and then he has to start over again and again the next day. And, and I, at that point, I realized, I was realizing that I'd, I think that if you're pushing your own rock up the hill, you're happy to do it every day, even if it rolls back down, because you're every day it's your rock, it's your thing. But when you realize that you've maybe, you know, I climbed the ladder of success and I got to the top and I was the top of my field and I was a top athlete, I was in, you know, uh, you know, great physical shape, but I get up to the top of the ladder and I realize that I climbed, put the ladder up against the wrong building, the wrong <laughs> career. Um, my wrong, I was in a, I was in a, a relationship that wasn't healthy for me. Um, I was a workaholic at my job. I had to be, I was had, it was like an 80 hour a week work week minimum. And so I wasn't there for, as a, as a father, I wasn't fulfilling. I didn't feel fulfilled by anything I was doing. I was just in this constant push. And, um, and I know that that's, you know, referred to as the midlife crisis that comes at the, <laughs> you know, when you realize that you're 20 year old that guessed who you think you should have been was absolutely wrong at almost every turn, um, you know, that's when you wake up and realize, well, I really honestly don't have any idea who I am. And, and in that time, uh, I had sort of been hiding the fact that I had a chronic pain. 
uh, lower back pain and sinus conditions and things for, for many, many years, six, eight, 10 years, I've been fighting these things. And then, and, um, you know, just, uh, and, and anxiety and some things that were, that were sort of under the surface of this guy who had it all together. And, uh, and that was when I, you know, I realized I was going to the doctors for all these different things and they had no idea what to do with it because ultimately a doctor can't help you with, with not fulfilling your life purpose. They can, you know, work on a symptom. They can give you a pill. They can, you know, they can say, well, we're going to send you in physical therapy or, you know, you ought to be taking these, these, uh, you know, muscle relaxers or whatever it is. And of course it's never going to touch that. And so I, I, I just ran into it. I went to, was going to, went to a, a lecture and ran into this, uh, um, concept of energy work. And I read this book by, uh, by a healer called by name of Barbara Brennan. And, uh, and it was all about energy. And I'd been, I knew about energy cause I had been a martial artist and I knew about chi energy and I knew about these different things, but I really didn't understand the, the aura. I didn't really understand the, the, the direct correlation between your life and what's going on in your energy field. And, and, uh, literally within a year of working with a healer, um, and, and, and really the, you know, the first time I met the healer, um, I kind of knew something was up and I knew that this was kind of something I needed to look into more. Cause I was a guy who never cried. I was just like, I was always on, I was always up, always smiling. I was doing, you know, it was work, work, work and happy about it. And I was successful and, and, you know, and, and it's successful at every basically external level, but not internally. And I went for this first healing thinking, well, she can, she, maybe she can help me with my sinus condition or my, you know, these other chronic pain issues that I was having. And, uh, and when I sat down and she, you know, she brought me in, it was in her house at the time and, and, uh, I came in and I sat down across from her about five feet away. And, and as I looked in her eyes, I just started crying. I just, tears just started pouring down my face. And I was like, and I was like, I was trying to wipe them away. I was like, so embarrassed. I was like, I don't know what's <laughs> happening. I'm really sorry. This is, I've never happened before. And, but what happened was, was that this healer, this wonderful therapist healer that I met, saw me at the soul level in a way that no one had ever done. Everybody, I always have felt like everybody looked at me for what I did rather than who I was. And for just that moment, I realized that what I was on the inside was worth seeing again, worth bringing out. And over a few years of working with her, I realized that I needed to go even deeper into it. And at a, uh, 39, I, um, I did the craziest thing I ever did. I went to an energy medicine school. I had to hide it from everybody I knew. I had to, you know, uh, um, you know, uh, I, 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 you know, there was no way I could tell the people at work where I was going for these weekends. And, and, uh, but what I started into was a study of not just the what and the how of life, which is where everybody works, but the why. The why am I here? The, the 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 my real purpose in in all the skills that I I had a lot of skills, but they didn't fulfill me because I was using them f just the way society wanted me to, rather than the way I was born to do it. And and that led to um, to then I was a natural teacher. I've been teaching for already 
uh, by that point, I'd been teaching over 20 years. And so, and I loved the work. I loved learning about it and I studied it. And I was the guy who, you know, read all the, all the extra books too during class. And so, and by the end of class, uh, the teacher said, I, you know, wanted me to come in and, 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 and teach, taught for a couple of years and then started my own school, um, uh, a few years after that and have now been uh, running my own school for 15 years. And so I've been in energy work for 20 and it is the most fulfilling career for me because it allows me to do what I was always doing as a tennis pro and didn't realize what I really loved to do, which was seeing that quality, what that healer saw in me is ultimately what is lacking the most in the world. You don't love somebody by giving them a Hallmark card and saying, I love you and hugging them and things. It's nice and does that. You love them by acknowledging and calling forward within them um, their, their true greatness, their true gift, which is so simple. It's not like your gift, you have to be like a superhero or you have to be somebody on, you know, that you want to be watching on, uh, on YouTube. And it's like these amazing feats and all these people that are flipping their bikes upside down. That's not, that, that's, that's like 0.01% of the people on the planet. Everyone on the planet has an incredible, unique, gift that is how they love in the world, how they bring connection to all of humanity. And, and so that sort of was my, my, my realization was, you know, that, that, that this is it, this is what I love to do. And I wrote my book, discover your purpose, um, and, and have been, and work with hundreds of students each year and, you know, thousands, you know, through the internet, um, on how to remember that there's something within you that's effortless for you. Something you may even have, have looked at and said, ah, oh, anybody can do that. But it's not anybody can do that. The thing that you can do, no one else can do. And remembering that is really your power. You know, Reese, that, that's, that's really powerful. That's great. Um, if, if someone's listening to this and just is feeling lost, like they're in that stage of just being lost and not really knowing what they're here to do what their purpose is. I mean, if they were, if they were sitting with you, what might you tell them for someone that's feeling a bit lost right now? The first thing to do to figure out who you are is not to go to your brain because your brain only knows what you're supposed to do. Um, you have to go and you have to, you need to feel deeper. And usually when someone gets to that place where they feel empty, that that's the first feeling. The first feeling is there's something missing. And, and I called it, you know, when I was in my thirties, I was sort of, I think back to those feelings I had where I had to have the smile on all day and I was doing all this, all these things. But in my quiet moments, when I try, when I was meditating, I sort of felt a sort of a quiet desperation, um, that, that no matter what I do, it always wants more. It's never enough. I was never going to be enough. And no matter what I did, it wasn't fulfilling. And then I, and then because I was a doer, I was just doing more. And so for other people, maybe they're not that, they're, they're the other way. They're like, if they fail, they pull back, they fail again, they pull back. And eventually they failed enough times at fulfilling themselves or being successful or being what other people want them to do, that they're just starting to pull back away from their lives and then they've lost their enthusiasm for life. And that's that, and that feeling empty. So, you know, we, the, the, uh, 
there were a number of things we do uh, in the school. And one of them was, uh, as you talked about my, my book, Discover Your Purpose, just sort of recognizing that each of us have um, a, a, an energy system that, um, that you need to feel and listen to and, and, and perceive the world through. I, I, I'd, say, I'd say see, um, you know, see the world through it. But for most people, that just connotates your eyes looking. And, and when your eyes look at things, it sees the world as separate from you. Your eyes are designed to see distance and, and they see how things move in time. And your eyes are perceiving everything outside of you as solid. And so therefore, it, your brain can perceive you as having your place in the world too. It's my place and these places. But when you understand that your energy field is connected to all those things and is part of all those things, you have a very different relationship with people, with objects, with your house, with things when, when they are, when you feel your way through them. So you feel them, you, you, you listen to them, you hear them, you, you, you experience them, um, you know, through all of your senses. Um, and then, and then, and then as you're doing that, you can become very aware of, um, you know, of, of say, let's say we're talking about love, um, in the heart. And you'll notice when, you know, when you're feeling that, that sort of, uh, um, compassion and, and, and appreciation for someone, or you think about someone that you really, um, you know, it's really, really dear to you and you can feel that. And so you, and then you feel what your heart feels and, and what it senses in that. And you can now, you know, you can think about that person and, and remember that feeling, but then you can also come back to your present moment right now and sort of feel how, uh, just the environment you're in, how does your heart feel in the environment that you're in? And if you're maybe at work, maybe you realize, wow, my heart is saying, you know, <laughs> I'm not coming out, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm staying in here and it speaks that way. It's like, it's saying that, or it's asking for more, it's asking for more attention rather than you just pushing it all the time. And, uh, and so, and then, and so then you can become aware of maybe how in situations with certain people, maybe you think of another person, you realize, wow, you can really feel your chest, your whole heart area, your, what's the, your heart chakra sort of tightening. And, and when you feel that, you realize, wow, I've got a, what I call, what we call in my work, a vow or a, or a, a strong belief that I can't, I can't have the love that I want. I can't open my heart in this situation because it's dangerous. And, uh, and so then from, from those simple things, so these, these basic four steps, feel it and hear it, uh, see through it, sort of perceive the world through it, see and perceive the world through the eyes of love, which would be the heart. And, and where is there love and where isn't there love? And where there isn't love in your life, um, that's a place where you have probably made a pretty strong statement that I'm going to hold back, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to protect myself here. And and in all of those areas where you don't say hold your love or maybe maybe it's your voice maybe you don't talk in certain situations you know so you tighten in that area you need to then sort of acknowledge what do i really who am i really what do i really want to share what would i how do i love to love when i was a little kid did i love to snuggle 
Did I love to, what did I love? Did I love to be standing up on stage and everybody watching me and, and doing things? You know, for me, I, I remember um, I love to be out on the tennis court and have people watch me play. Even when I was terrible, even when I was, you know, like 10 or 11 years old, I've never won a tennis match. But I was out there hitting the ball. I was thinking, I'm a pro tennis player. And I, and I love being out there and sort of being, uh, you know, uh, and playing and, and sort of being seen that way. And, and so I love to be in that relationship, that sort of competitive, let's play, let's play a game of, of uh, you know, of, of who, who, can, who can win this game. And, and that awareness, you know, then allows me to make different choices. And so if you've, if you can feel your way to that level where you're sort of like, yeah, I've, I've definitely, I definitely made a vow not to trust, um, uh, you know, uh, people that I don't know or, tr or not trust that I can open my heart to anybody but my wife or my, uh, you know, my, my, you know, whatever, my best friend or something you're set, you know, whatever, you, whatever that rule is. And then you realize that when you have done that, you've cut yourself off from this childlike innocence and love that your heart naturally has. That's when you'll you use what I call a, a freedom statement where you'll say, oh, and a freedom statement starts with I'm open to sharing myself with more people. Maybe one more, maybe just one this week. <laughs> you know, maybe mm -hmm. maybe just I'll just I'll just, you know, I've, I've got a, I've got this friend at work. I'm just going to be a little more candid with them and you know not in any negative way but just sort of just like you know sharing ask ask them more about what they do or who they are and, and make it and make an effort from the heart and the, so just those four steps of recognizing uh you know and, and feeling that's a beginning process for people and you can meditate on that you can do it uh just you know you can do it while you're walking uh but it's it's the, the spiritual path begins with that emptiness you were talking about. It's called disappointment. There's a there's an image that you had of what the world should have been, and that you're that you were taught as a child. This is how, this is what should happen. And at 20 or 30, 20 years old, you're like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be the perfect mother. I'm going to start a new business. I'm going to go into corporate. I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to, and at 40 years old, you realize, oh my God, what was I thinking? There's nothing here for me and it's empty. And yet when you realize that emptiness, that's the beginning of the spiritual path, that discontent. And the discontent is that you've invested all of your focus and energy on having the outside world and the objects of your life or the people of your life fulfill you. And fulfillment is a soul quality. It radiates from the inside out. It doesn't come from the outside in and no one actually can give it to you. And so at some point in our lives, we realize that I've been so invested in having the world and what I'm doing give me my fulfillment and it never will. And that's the emptiness. That's the sort of like, oh, and what you and when you feel the emptiness, interestingly, when you feel empty, it's that's actually what it feels like to be in the soul. The soul doesn't have all that form. It's actually empty. It's actually when you when you're in the soul itself, it has no form. 
And when you were a little kid, you had no form either. It wasn't until you were told that you were a boy and, had an, had, and your name was Reese and you had to, <laughs> you know, and you had to be, you know, wear blue and, you know, you're, you know, you definitely aren't going to be playing with dolls. You're going to be playing with G.I. Joes and you're going to be, you know, and I was and you just buy the whole story and TV teaches you that. The media teaches you that your religion teaches you that. And you and you just buy the story. But when I was a little kid, I wasn't thinking I'm gonna be something when I grow up. I already was something, it was amazing. I woke up every day and was like, I love this. What are we gonna do today? <laughs> and, and that's what we're missing. We're missing that, that fulfillment of being just who we are, the effortlessness of being who we are. That's great. You know, I've heard you say before that if you're fighting with your energy, you're gonna lose 100% of the time. And <laughs> It made me think of all of this, just to kind of take it in a little bit of a different direction, all of this physical sickness in the world right now. And, you know, with so much chronic disease and autoimmune and cancer, dementia, like the rates just keep going up and up and up. And, um, you know, Western medicine, I mean, it seems very limited, at least to, to, to be kind um, in its capacity to, to, to help these people. And I wonder how energy medicine and, and that whole notion that, you know, are we just as a whole kind of fighting with our energy, the 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 vast yeah. majority of people? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Every time you fight with your energy, you lose 100% of the time. I like that. That was, I, I think I've said that in the past a number of times. Healing isn't something anyone else can do for you. Ever. It's not that they can't point you in the right direction. It's not that they can't be a catalyst, but I always liken it to having the flu. Of course, we've got a big flu bug going around right now, yeah. but having the flu. And while you have the flu and that virus is running amok in every one of your cells, you can't remember ever being healthy. You can't even remember. It's like it's you're so sick, you just can't. It's like you just are like this is never going to go away. And whatever you take for pills, whatever you do for you know you 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 know you 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 know however you do it, you raise your energy, you breathe, you I mean there's all kinds of things you can do to 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 energize your your immune system. You maybe do that stuff, or maybe you just slept for a few weeks, or whatever you did. Uh, you took aspirin, or you took you know Nyquil, or whatever you take. And at some point. Your body just decided it was done with that. And all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, I'm feeling normal again. I'm feeling, I'm back to me. And, and within very short period of time, you are back to who you are and your body just decided to do that. That is the same in every, every illness. There are over 8,000, 8,000 healing modalities just in the United States alone right now. Wow. Now think about that. Back in the eighties, <laughs> there were back in the eighties, there were five, right? Now there's eight thousand. That means the internet has created this way of dragging every guru out of every ashram and every uh, uh, you know uh, you know uh, shaman off of every mountaintop, of out of every cave. We've dragged them out there and we've and we've studied their methods. And there's eight thousand methods out there, and people are learning them and using them and doing them and with all that healing, wouldn't you think we'd have people walking on water by, by now? Wouldn't you think that, that we would have people just walking away 
from uh, from allopathic medicine and saying, no, I heal myself. It's no problem. It's just like this. You know, I don't have to take a pill. You don't have to put me on pills for the rest of my life that are going to ultimately, you know, eventually have a war inside my body and kill me later. I don't have to any, do any of that stuff, but it's not true. It's not happening. And the reason it's not happening is because there aren't just two levels of healing, which are the body and mind, which would be the first level, and the chakras. There's four. And the upper levels, I actually studied, I didn't realize I was studying it in the martial arts. There's this vertical line of energy that the martial artists train called the Hara line. And that's the level uh, that's like, it's like your, it's like spiritual gravity. It's what holds the chakras together. It's actually what gives you your contracts for life. And it's a part of you that has never been sick. And it, and it's directly linked to the soul. It's like the the purpose of the soul. So these higher level vibrations and this wisdom within you of what it's like to live your purpose and to live and like the, like your soul quality and be immortal. And that's and you know your your soul's never been sick. Your soul's never had a <laughs> argument with your spouse. Your soul's never lived or died. It's 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 allowed you to have these these human uh, uh, and physical, um, uh, experiences so that you, so that the soul gets a chance to share its gifts in different parts of the universe. I'm sure, I'm sure maybe each of our souls are not just here on planet earth. We're, we're in multiple places, but there's this soul quality within us. That's pure wisdom and power. And people know it. Every, there's not a person listening to this that hasn't had some kind of an epiphany, some kind of a, like a, oh, you know, some, maybe someone died, maybe there's something happens and they, and, and all of a sudden they can't think the way they normally think and something sneaks in or maybe they've had a dream or maybe they've had something and, and everything became crystal clear just for a moment. And w- what I can tell you that is, is that is an open chakra that, and when a chakra opens, opening a chakra just makes you feel good. What happens when a chakra opens is that this much higher frequency that isn't even in this sort of universal dimension, it's a higher dimension of consciousness that's within us, that's sort of like our our our, our soul qualities within us. They're, I call them the spiritual qualities. Those can speak directly to your heart, directly to your mind, directly to your body, directly to your cells when the chakras are open. The chakra being open by itself is just a nice release of the tension and the pain and the stress you've been having by avoiding, say, what what you're here to do in that chakra. If you're here to tell people, you know, about energy work like I was, but instead I was telling about what how to be a great athlete. I had a lot of sore throats. I had a lot of problems with my throat because I wasn't speaking my soul truth. I was just speaking a truth. Mm. And we have to know the difference between a soul truth and a truth because a truth will make us sick. The soul truth will make us thrive. Oh, that's and, and, and so, and so this is the, this is the bridge that I made. And this is the bridge that I make in my school. And I made in my book, discover your purpose where that 
what I was learning as the Hara line, this this part of the martial artist that we learn we learned this to widen this sort of intent. It's like this intention line that that gives you such a strong sense of of your presence. Not that I'm tough and I'm this. I'm. It's just like there's a knowing of who I am, so that when my body literally can get knocked down and broken in a in a, in a sparring match, there's a part of me that no longer can be uh, hurt. You know, it's like this part of me that never gets knocked down. Um, as I, I recall Wayne Dyer talking about it, he, he, he mentioned it as the inner candle flame that never flickers. And these things that people alluded to are actual energetic frequencies, just like your physical body. They are bodies you experience them directly, you can experience them directly, and they have direct impact on everything you do in your life. And when you study those spiritual centers, not just chakras, but beyond that, like what, what those chakras can access, these higher levels of wisdom, you're studying how to find the perfect job, know who your soulmate is, um, you know, know exactly how your body likes to be fed and worked out and, you know, how much rest you need or don't need and where in the world you want to live rather than it's always a big guessing game. Mm. When we all, when, when all of humanity understands that we have the capacity to create our reality, it's not just some bumper sticker in, you know, some, some new age bumper sticker and everybody's like, I create my reality. Then why, you know, then why are you so miserable? <laughs> you know, <laughs> what's going on there? You know, you, we actually create our reality, um, and we all realize that we're we are it, we're, we're like humanity is like a hand with seven and a half billion fingers, right? No fingers are worth cutting off. We've only made like a couple of them important um, for some reason. It, it, but it's but it's only when all of humanity realizes that there's not one person on the planet, not one, and there never has been. Every guy, every every mystic has said, "I started out like you did. I was a kid, you know, pooping in my diaper. You know, it's like there, I wasn't like God. I didn't come in here. I just didn't make the same choices you made. I didn't create the same amount of karma you've created in your life." And and when we all have that realization, and we all start doing the types of meditations I'm talking about here, where Every day you access a point within you that no one but you creates from. That's when we start pooling our energy together in a way. And these types of things that are going on in the world right now, the kinds of insanity around, um, you know, just everything right now where the world's shutting down and opening up and, and uh, you know, and, and trying to vaccinate for you know for something that's a that's an immune you know deficiency because we've been so malnourished and uh malnourished both physically and emotionally and and in our and and in our uh uh you know in our, in our encouragement to be unique we've been told to basically get in the you know you know line up and in, in march step and you know everybody has to try to be who you're supposed to be and always behave and and, you know, so, so all of that changes when the individual does that work and, and, and the calling to your calling to do more in the world is always an inner calling first. You have to find that place within you where you know you can create the, the life of your dreams. 
All right, beautiful, Reese. Um, last question. If you had the opportunity, Reese, to travel back in time, say 45 years, what words of wisdom might your current self share with your younger self? <laughs> um, buckle up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Because <laughs> it's interesting about life. Um, you don't see the light until you've made it so dark that you're like, man, I used to be able to be able to see what's going on around here. And then when you turn the light back on, you realize, wow, I missed not just part of it. I missed all of it. And I'm never going to do that again. The, um, you know, that, that statement, um, you know, that I'll never be a victim again. I'll never, I will never, um, you know, I will never allow myself to fall into that trap again means that you fell in the trap. And so it's not a matter of me living a better life. I probably would have, <laughs> I probably would have told my 20 year old that, um, cause I, I mean, I, I love being a tennis pro and I love being a martial artist and I did that, but I would have maybe reminded him that, um, that, that the thing that I was seeing in other people, these beautiful qualities, these beautiful, unique qualities, um, uh, that seeing those qualities was my gift, not trying to emulate other people's qualities. And each of us have a gift that, um, that if we allow it and just say, Oh, I like that about me. I like that's, you know, that's what I'm doing. And, 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 um, probably I would have told my teenager, who was having various different spiritual awakenings and dreams and, you know, terrifying nightmares and things that, um, that, that those were, uh, the, um, spiritual, um, uh, training or the, the, the sort of the boot camp for, um, those were dimensions that were very uncomfortable to, to sort of experience. Um, and those things that I was dreaming about, um, were, uh, they were so they were nightmares because they didn't fit into any context of what I was being taught in the world was real. And then as I learned energy work, I realized that all those things I'd been dreaming were these beautiful other dimensional, um, elements of who I was not, so not, you know, spirituality isn't about escaping and getting somewhere else because there's nothing outside of your energy field. You're, 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 you're complete. It's just a matter of getting further into the energy field and taking your attention away from all of the, um, you know, objects of life. And so, you know, my 20 year old who set his goals of being something out there in the future, um, you know, I would have said you're doing great right now. Enjoy it more. Enjoy it every minute of it. And, uh, and that's, you know, pretty much what I teach in the school right now is, is there's nothing you're doing wrong. Uh, you're just forgetting to enjoy the process. <laughs> that's beautiful. Reese, thank you so much. Um, where, what's the best place for people to find out about you and your work? Um, well, my website is, uh, And, um, and that's probably the easiest. My book is called discover your purpose. 
And I know we didn't talk about uh, the five life purpose profiles, but but those are the foundational archetypes that 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 life purpose when you when you go when you bridge from the chakras to your purpose, you're going to either be a leader or an achiever or a caretaker or a deep feeler or a creative person at your soul level. And one of those is so important for you to know, because if you know who you are, your choices are easy. When you don't know who you are, you're constantly guessing what might work for you. And so my book, Discover Your Purpose, um, is, uh, is on Amazon, or you can go to discoveryourpurposebook.com and pick it up. It is, it's the next generation of, of healing. Reese, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure connecting with you. You're so welcome, Drew. So happy to do this. Thank you for listening to The Drew Perlman Show. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. In the words of Mark Twain, 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than the things you did do. So throw off the bow lines, sail away from the safe harbor, and catch the trade winds in your sails. Explore, dream, discover, and stay well, everyone. 